For the past few weeks, we've been looking at the last night of Jesus before the crucifixion. This morning, we're going to move to the Old Testament and begin a series on a, the life of a man named Job. I've entitled this series, Tested and Blessed, because that accurately describes the life of Job. If you know his story, he was a man who was greatly tested, and yet still he was, he was blessed by God. Well, the Bible tells us about all this happened as Satan came before God, and God allowed Satan to do these things to, to, to Job in order to test him. So we're going to get into those details over the next few weeks, but today, first, we're looking at the character of Job, the possessions of Job, the passions of Job. We have to understand who he was and what he had before we can realize what it was that he, that he lost. And in many ways, Job is a tremendous example for all of us in the way that he conducted himself, the things that he said, the things that he thought, the way that he lived. Job was a man who was extremely wealthy, and yet through this testing period, he, he lost everything. So I want to ask you a question today I think might help us to understand Job. If we think about this for a moment, what would you need to have in order for God to be good? What would you need to have in order for God to be good? I mean, if you had a new truck, would God be good? If you had a, if you had a bigger house, would God be good? If you were healthier, free from pain and disease, would would God be good? I mean, if we think about this for a moment, I think we understand that Job knew something that most American Christians can't comprehend. And that's, there's no correlation between our possessions and our health and our comfort and the character and nature of of God. Many people today are preaching what theologians describe as the prosperity gospel. Locally in the church, we often call it the health and wealth gospel. That is, if you go to church and you give, then you will be wealthy and healthy. And I think you'll find that that's not taught anywhere in Scripture. There were people that God greatly blessed with wealth. When God blesses you with wealth, it's a tremendous responsibility to be a steward of. But there are also a great many people that God called to poverty. There were people that God used them in the midst of their poverty. And I think about today across the world, we still see people who are faithfully serving the Lord that are neither wealthy nor healthy. Across America today, I suspect there'll be someone who was raised in a very comfortable, affluent home, and God will call that person to go around the world and in missionary service live in some of the lowest conditions in order to share the gospel with some of the poorest people on this planet. 
Surely we will not measure their success nor the goodness of God by what they're able to accumulate in material possessions in their lifetime. We look at this man, Job, and although God did bless him, that's not where his heart was. And when he lost all of it, he still served the Lord. Today, as we look at verses 1 through 5, I want to talk to you about the greatness of Job as we see his character and his nature and his possessions. Would you stand with me as we read this together? Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at the life of this great man today, I pray that you'd help all of us to examine ourselves very honestly. May we too be people who continually serve our family and continually serve you. May our greatness be found not in our possessions, but in our passion. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the Bible tells us about this man, Job, that he was, a, he was a godly man. It describes Job as a person who is blameless and upright. Do you know that word blameless occurs throughout the Scripture? The Bible says that Noah was blameless. And the Bible says that this man, Abraham, that God called him to live a blameless life. And in the New Testament, the church is called to be blameless. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, listen to what Paul wrote the church at Philippi. He said, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And here's what he says, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Well, what does it mean to be blameless? Well, it doesn't mean to be sinless. Jesus is the only person that was ever sinless. Noah was not sinless. Abraham was not sinless. Job was not sinless, and neither will you and I be. But yet we can live a life in which we have character and integrity, and the general pattern of our living causes people to believe our message because it is matched by our 
lifestyle. To be blameless means that we live with such moral integrity that people cannot accuse us of anything. Someone once said this, live your life in such a way that if anyone tells a lie about you, no one will believe it. I think that's a beautiful picture of what the Lord is talking about when he says that we are to be people who are blameless. Job had tremendous character. You know, as we look at the church today, that's one of the greatest things that we need is integrity and character. We often worry about what's going to be said. Most preachers focus on their words, but the reality is, is if we don't live a life that's blameless, no one's going to listen to our words or care. And the same is true about your testimony as well. The world is watching us long before they're ever listening to us. That's why it's so important that we live our life in such a way that people believe that we are sincere people of uprightness and integrity. Because of what they see in us, they want to listen. And this was the character and the nature of Job. He was a godly man who lived a blameless life before other people. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament, in that passage that I just read, that the motive for this is so that we could be blameless in midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Blameless character is so important because, you know, there's a direct correlation between our personal integrity and the extent to which God is willing to use us. It was a hard lesson in my life personally to realize that the greatest obstacle to my ministry has always been myself. We can look at the world and we can complain about the world. We can say the world's in need of revival. We can look at others in our church and we can say they need to get right. We can look at people that live under our own roof and we can complain about their lack of spirituality or their outright wickedness. And all of that might be true. But revival always begins with us looking inside. It always begins with us examining ourselves. Because before we can help anyone else, we must be light. It's the person's own personal integrity and character that causes people to listen to the message. So Job was a man who feared God. When the Bible talks about fearing God, this does not mean uh, terror. This does not mean that when you hear glass shatter in the middle of the night and you, you wonder who might be breaking in. It's, it's not a terror of the Lord that we're to have. It's a, it's a holy awe and, and reverence. It means that I always remember my place before God. A good pastor friend of mine was in the military, he's in the Air Force, and he said that uh, he had a, a close relationship with the colonel. 
He said they went uh, on weekend trips together. Their kids played together. They went on vacation together. They sat at each other's house and, and watched football. And they were just, they just had a close relationship. And were just, they were just buddies. He said, but any time I got called in, he said, I checked my uniform. I polished my shoes. I walked into his office and I stood at attention. As he said, I never forgot who I was talking to. To fear the Lord means as much as we love him, as close as we draw in, we never forget who he is and who we are. And the Bible says about the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Job was a man who was blameless. Nobody had anything to accuse Job of. Job was a man who feared the Lord. And the Bible also tells us that Job was a man who turned away from evil. He turned away from evil. Do you know, you and I don't have to look for evil. Evil is already looking for us. I think of that man, Joseph. You remember Joseph? He was one of several brothers. He was sold into slavery. And as he went into Egypt, a man named Potiphar took him in as a slave. And in midst of all this injustice, Joseph never lost his integrity. The Bible tells us that Potiphar's wife developed an eye for Joseph. And she would, she would entice him and tempt him. And one day, Joseph comes into the house, and she's the only person in the house. All the other servants have been sent out. And at this moment, the Bible says that she grabbed his garment and begged him to lie with her. The Bible tells us about this in Genesis chapter 39, verse 11. It says, but one day when he went into the house, this is Joseph, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he got out of the house. Well, if you know the rest of the story, uh, she falsely accused him anyway. But it doesn't matter what Potiphar's wife did. What matters is what Joseph did. Joseph was a man like Job who turned away from evil. Evil is always looking for us. And if we're going to be people that God is going to use greatly, we're not only going to have to be blameless, people who fear the Lord, but we're going to have to turn away from evil. You know, the Bible tells us that Job was a man who was given a great responsibility of possessing wealth. And what a tremendous responsibility it truly is, for God will hold us accountable for all that we have done with what we have. In Job chapter 1, verse 2, it says, There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. The Bible tells us that God gave Job a large family. He had 10 children, seven sons, 
and three daughters. You know how we know he was a very wealthy man? He had three daughters and still survived. I'll tell you from personal experience there. I can't imagine adding seven sons to my quiver. But this man had ten children. Ten. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. As we think about children, they are certainly a gift from God. There's a lot that science can do for us. We've developed all kinds of wonderful medications. We have people, even many in this congregation, who've had the opportunity to be very highly trained, can greatly help many people through sickness and disease and injury. We praise God for all of that. But only God can give us children. They're always a blessing from the Lord. We think about this man Job here. God had blessed him with 10 children. There were others. You remember Hannah in the Old Testament? Hannah was barren. The Bible says the Lord had closed her womb. And so she went to the temple and she cried out to the Lord. And the Lord opened her womb and gave her a son who would become that great preacher and prophet, Samuel. This man, Job, was blessed with children. Many of us here today have been greatly blessed by the Lord in the same way. And you know what God gives us? We're to all be stewards of, and that includes our families. So we look at our culture today, the greatest breakdown I think that we have is in the family. My wife taught in the public school system here. She taught in the public school system in Atlanta. She taught uh, in college in uh, North Carolina when we were there and just, just seen so many young people that are not loved, that are not cared for. It's a terrible thing to be given the blessing and the gift of children and then not to pour your life into that next generation. Job also had great financial wealth. The Bible says that God blessed, it tells us that God blessed many people with wealth throughout the Bible. We see many examples of this. It's not just Job. Abraham was very wealthy. David became very wealthy. Solomon became extraordinarily wealthy. If, if Solomon were alive today, he would be a billionaire of billionaires by ancient standards. In the New Testament, there was that man, Joseph of Arimathea. God blessed him with so much wealth that in a time where people were buried in shared tombs, he had his own carved out of stone, never before used. And because God had given him that wealth, he used it to provide this place for our Lord to be laid. Some people think that wealth 
is somehow sinful. Some people misquote the Bible to say that money is the root of all evils. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. And I think as we see over the next weeks, as we look at the life of Job, as he lost all of his money, he lost everything that he had, he still loved God. You know, one of the greatest needs that we have is to gain perspective in life, to understand what's truly important, what truly matters, and what's just temporary and passing. There are things that are essential, and then, as we would say today, there are things that are just gravy, right? Maybe it's nice as you have it, but you don't need it. The same is true about how we use our time. The same is true about our finances. And Job understood what was important in life so that when he lost everything, he still loved God. Many of us here today have been entrusted with great wealth. You may not feel wealthy. I want to share with you some some numbers from around the world. If you were living in Venezuela uh, last year, if you were... If you were average, this is the average monthly salary in Venezuela. It was $25.19. Now, if you had been born into Syria, you'd be doing a lot better. In Syria last year, the average monthly income after taxes was $93.72. If you had been born in China, the average Chinese income was $950.52. My mother's Social Security is $1,100 a month. She told me, she says, son, you can't live on that. I know some of you don't know my mother. She's the most frugal person on earth. If she can't live on it, I don't know how any mouse is living on it. And yet we see people all over the world that their income is just a fraction of what ours is today. We may compare ourselves with people who make seven figures or people who make six figures, and we say, Pastor, I am not a wealthy person. I am a poor person. I'm telling you, by global standards, we don't have very many people in our community today that are poor. God has entrusted us with great wealth when we compare ourselves to everyone else on a global standard. Here we are at Christmas time talking about collecting bars of soap to send around the world so that some children might have one bar of soap to wash with. You and I are greatly blessed by God. And to whom much is given, much will be required. Job also, God also gave Job fame and 
influence. The Bible says in the second part of verse 3, so this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. I love that Job was a godly man, and the amount of wealth that he had is awfully impressive. One of the greatest things about Job is that he loved his family. If we can't learn to imitate anything else, let us learn to be godly people who love our families. The Bible says in verses 4 through 5, his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. You notice that Job tried to bring his children to God? The Bible says that his children had this, this uh, pattern of family gatherings, that each son would take turns hosting it. And after it took place, Job, not knowing anything that had happened, anything that had been said or done, just in case he wanted to consecrate his kids, and so the Bible says that he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Now, we know that we have freedom. Job's children had freedom. My children have freedom. We can't control everything that they do. And God wouldn't want us to. Because without freedom, we cannot choose to love God. But Job did all that he could to bring his children to God. And I believe that you and I need to do the same. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Very important for us to understand this is a principle and not a promise. We've all seen children that were raised in church, that were taught about the Lord, and went on about their own way. But the principle that God gives us is that we're to pour in to our children and try to lead them to him. I want you to notice in the second part of verse 5, it says, For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. You know, I think one of the greatest things that we can do as parents is to recognize our children are sinners. Some people are so arrogant and so naive, no matter what you know about their children, you cannot share it with them or try to help in any way because they'll never believe it and never think for a second that their child might need discipline, might need correction, or might need help. Job understood that his children might have sinned against God. And so, therefore, he consecrated them. He tried every way that he could to bring them to the Lord. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Job guided, directed, and served his Family. And I want you to notice one last thing. The Bible says, thus Job did continually. It's easy for anybody to be the man of the hour. 
but our children need us to be the father and mother of a lifetime, continually serving. Well, Job was a tremendous example in all, how he handled all of this. God gave him a large family, and he tried to lead them to the Lord. God gave them great wealth, and he did not become arrogant. He did not allow his wealth to make him self-righteous or self-dependent. He praised the Lord and served the Lord. With that family, he did all he could to lead them to God. Job would do even greater things than this as we see how he responds in the next few weeks to tremendous testing and trials. But I want to ask you today, if this was an introduction to your life instead of an introduction to Job's, would it be anything like this? You know, the Bible has given us the lives of these people for our example. When we read that Job was a godly man, it's, it's not for us to understand something about history. It's for us to say, am I a godly person? When we read about Job being entrusted with all these children and seeing him lead them to the Lord the best that he could, it's so that we'll say, have I done everything that I can to lead my children? When see, we see Job entrusted with great wealth, and instead of worshiping it, he continued to worship God. It should lead us to say, if I lost everything tomorrow, would God still be good in my mind? Job was a man who modeled for us many great things, and I hope that over the next few weeks as we examine his life, we'll constantly compare our lives with his and see what it is about us that God will want to mold and shape into the image of his son. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be a person of great character, great integrity. May we pour our lives into our children and those around us just as Job did. Father, help us to be people who are blameless, who fear you so that people will look at our lives and they want to listen to our message. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, Job was a righteous man, but, but he was not a sinless man and neither any one of us. And do you know that that's the very reason that Jesus went to the cross? So that even good people like Job, good by earthly standards, could be saved. Today, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember what the Lord did for us. This past sermon series, we, we looked at that last night of Jesus' life as they were gathered to take the Passover meal. And that's when Jesus instituted this supper for us to remember what he did for us. But you know that the Bible says it's very important how we do it. It says that a person should examine themselves so that we don't take of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy 
manner. So as we sing this song, I want to invite you to take this time to examine yourself. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, is there anything that's, that's hidden in me? Anything I've not been willing to confess? Anything that I've deceived myself and justified that I've not even been willing to recognize as a sin? Is there anything in me that I need to confess before you to be ready with a clear heart, a clear mind, and good conscience to focus on what your son did for me in this supper? Maybe you're here today and you've never received the gift of salvation. This this supper, it's for people who have been saved. But there's no reason why you can't be saved right now. And in just a few moments, celebrate the supper with us. You see, when Jesus died, he died for you so you could be forgiven. He died so you could be cleansed of your sins. And if you'll come in faith and ask for forgiveness, God will give it to you. So as we sing, whether it's reflection you need or repentance, let's prepare ourselves to receive the Lord's Supper. Would you stand together? If you'll be seated, 
Jesus was with his disciples and they were celebrating the Passover. The, the Passover was a memorial. It remembered what God had done for them in Egypt. As every household experienced this horrific plague in which the firstborn died, for God's people, he sent a substitute. A lamb would die instead. And they would take the blood of that lamb and they would smear it over their doorpost. And God gave them this promise when the angel of death came through, he would pass over their homes. That's why it was called the Passover. And every year they would celebrate and remember what God had done to spare them from death. And on that night, as Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, he showed them that he was the real sacrifice. He was the reason that death could pass over us. And so he took bread, and the Bible says that he broke it. And he said that this bread was his body. Not, not literally, but figuratively, that we would remember. And that as we drank that cup, that we would remember his blood poured out. So this morning as we celebrate this, the Lord's Supper, we remember that Jesus gave himself. He gave himself in our place. He died so that we might live. If you haven't already done so, if you'll peel back this top and you'll find a little piece of bread, you'll notice...